Hey kids, welcome to another episode of the Handsome Genius Club radio show. I am your hero, your host, Anthony Rutgazer, aka Anthony Kingdom James, joining us today. This is, I think, episode 488. Look below, it should say. Uh, <laughs> 488. Let's go with 488 until somebody proves me wrong. Um, joining me today. When I got back into comics back in about 2009, 2010, started going back to the Silver Snail, the comic store where I grew up. There were a new crop of fresh-faced, smiley nerds working in the store. And amongst them, <laughs> amongst them was a howdy-doody-looking mother effer <laughs> by the name of Sean Jordan, a kid from Halifax who had uh, just the biggest i'm just happy to be here smile on his face all the time and over the years uh as i got to know him more and more uh i stopped calling him sean because he had a gimmick name that i liked better ladies and gentlemen please welcome the word burglar <laughs> wow what what an intro what an honor thank you <laughs> What's going uh, on, Berg? Wow, 2009? I would have... Uh, yeah, I guess we've known each other a while. Yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah, you were you were one of the guys who was working at the store yep. when I started coming back. To, so I moved back into Toronto and I started coming back to the store. And, uh, uh, and, and you were just there, just smiling like a goddamn <laughs> mannequin all the time. Oh, come on. Well, who wouldn't look? I was it's a dream job working at the greatest giant biggest comic store in Toronto. Yeah. You know, the snail Queen West. There's so much action and excitement every day. New surrounded by cool comics, cool people like so many amazing artists used to come through there, like comic artists, musicians, yeah. actors met so many cool people there, uh, including yourself, you know, to say the least. And well, uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great time man that was an amazing era on queen because i yeah. started there i was there a long time i actually started in 2003 three oh yeah yeah 2003 and then i would go away i left for a bit and then would keep coming back and i think all in all i probably put in about 10 years wow into the snail so well, yeah man yeah so it great times it doesn't baffle me personally to you know find a, a kid from canada's east coast makes his way downhill to toronto <laughs> you know has to find work ends up in the silver snout that doesn't surprise me at all certainly not the came from the east coast part what i want to know is how does the smiling white boy from halifax end up becoming a rapper how do you even how do you even think that's a possibility? It's like it's like an African tribesman thinking, man, I can't I'm going to play in the NHL. How do you <laughs> well, I'll tell you a secret. I never thought it was a possibility. Oh? I just did it. Okay. I just always loved doing it. You know, I just always loved rap. I always I would rap along to like I'd get tapes from my kids in my neighborhood or, you know, my cousins. I remember my cousin gave me like I got like Public Enemy and Ice Cube and then Run DMC and Fresh Prince, all the, you know, all the amazing 80s stuff. And uh, yeah. 
And I just always loved it. And I love the wordplay. I love the creativity. I love the storytelling. You know, everyone's got like, it's, you know, a lot like, you know, wrestling as well. People have like larger than life characters, but then it would be balanced with real life and reality. And, you know, yeah. the, the breadth, if that's the way to say it, of art that was coming out of just hip hop, just, I was obsessed with, you know, I was obsessed with comics and rap and like just all these incredible different voices and I just always loved it and yeah. I would rap and I would rhyme and it was really my friends who would always just kind of encourage me and they're like oh yeah SJ he raps like kick some rhymes I'd be like I don't know and I'd just like freestyle and say some stuff and then you know kids would like bring me around to like rap and I just always did it and I never thought like yeah I could like make a steady you know uh side career or whatever this is that you know i'm doing and uh i just always love doing it and i never never well, stopped doing it and it's just been busier every year since i, I was I, like eight i like that you know you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned those first few artists and their personas and uh what they were rapping about and how it became uh kind of an early form of social media to listen to the lyrics of an NWA or listen to the lyrics of a public enemy and find out uh, ab about people's actual lives in a situation that, you know, most of mo most people weren't experiencing themselves. And I like that when it came time for you to rap, you weren't trying to, uh, you weren't trying to emulate the content of those lyrics. You weren't trying to push a false vanilla ice narrative that you were from so, from the gritty streets of, of wherever. You, you were, you've been giving us your life for the past 15 years plus. And uh, I know you've got a, one of the reasons you're here today is because you've got a new album. And tell us about the new album and what do we have to look forward to in the content there? Okay. Well, first, I mean, thank you. And, you know, I always kind of joke that I got a better education from public enemy than public school. Oh. So, and that was, that that's, was true. That's and good. and <laughs> that's well, good. it's the truth, man. I mean, yeah. to this day, I mean, Chuck D is incredible. And uh, the, I mean, you know, I could go on and on talk hip hop all day, but what was always important to me was, yeah, giving your true perspective. My favorite artists gave their true, honest perspective and rapped about their life. So whether it was like the artists you said, like NWA, Public Enemy, their perspectives, or yeah, you get someone like back in the day, you had Fresh Prince who was being more playful, but also, you know, um, and just so much like that. So it was always important to me to just like, you know, to use a cliche, but be real. And, um, and not like Cypress Hill be real, but, uh, but if you want to do that, you know, <laughs> I, I won't do a bad be real impression. I love Cypress Hill. Um, but yeah, I got, I got a new album, Bergonomic. It's my eighth full length album. So I put out tons of different mixtapes and group albums and stuff, but yeah. I, I like to approach my solo albums, you know, with like my one sort of vision per album. And that's where I just kind of knuckle down and, and work with a bunch of different beat makers and DJs and, and vocalists and, and just try and create like 
a, you know, a solid album because I, I still love the album in, in an era when everyone's into singles. Singles. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I like that these, this group of songs are meant to go together and tell some stories and hit some notes and show some sides of things and complement each other. Um, and that's what Bergonomic is like. It's uh it's a, it's essentially like a mixtape. So I, I'm touching on a variety of different stories and topics and, and narratives all relating to, you know, my love of, of rapping and storytelling and wordplay. And I like to think that every song on the album kind of hits a different note. So mm-hmm. there is, you know, there's definitely a comic book song. There's a video game song. There's an action figure song. There's also, you know, a storytelling song. There's a character song. There's a group song. There's just all these different little things. So I, I really did approach this album like looking at a mixtape. If I was making a mixtape back in the day and I'm putting on like, okay, I'm going to put on like Slick Rick and Mass Ace and, you know, House of Pain here and whoever here and Naughty by Nature and blah, 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 blah. Like you want to hit all these different notes. So. I guess yeah. when I put together an album, that's what I want to do. Because you you have drilled down into specific topics before for albums. I mean, you you have an entire album of GI Joe songs. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Cause, yes, because GI Joe's the the best. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is more of a uh, everything about you. This is more of a buffet of uh, of Berg. Yeah, it's basically like during the pandemic and during the last like two plus years. Yeah, these are. I've recorded a lot of music and I haven't released a lot of it in two years, so I'm sitting on a ton of stuff. And this group of songs to me feel like the best group of songs that go together of ideas that I've had um, for for songs. But yeah, and the G.I. Joe album, you know, that came out of just. Always you know, especially working at the snail at a time when GI Joe was not popular. And I was like, you know, the aging GI Joe fan. And people were like, why do you like this? What is GI Joe? That hasn't been cool since like the eighties. I'm like, actually it was still cool up to 1994. If we are keeping track and uh, it never stopped being cool. Thanks to Larry Hama's amazing work on uh, the comics, which we know, yeah. but yeah, basically I did that album. Cause I was like, no, it's super cool. And uh, here's why. And uh that started as one song and then I just couldn't stop. So it turned into a whole album. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned the pandemic. How does a Canadian entertainer survive a two plus year pandemic? Wow. Well, like is, does it turn into, does it turn into the scene from Slapshot where they're all, the hockey players are all watching, you know, getting the news that the, the, the mill is closing. It's like, fucking Chrysler plant. Here I come. <laughs> you know, like what's well, it's funny, like leading up to the pandemic, I had been busier than I'd ever been. I'd yeah. been on tour almost for like two years, pretty much. And I yeah. got to go all through the States and Canada and went to Japan and all over the place. It was amazing. And I was becoming a dad. So my daughter was born, uh, basically, um, right at the end of December Uh, so just a couple months before the pandemic started. So I was already getting ready to like, I'm going to like, I'm looking forward to being a dad. I'm going to have some great time with my daughter. So, um, obviously tour, I did my last show, I think it was March 
12th or 13th and then when did the pandemic start the 16th? oh the yeah the it was it was the 16th yeah uh, 15th or 16th was the monday yeah so it was that weekend i think i played on the yeah. friday i did two shows back to back friday saturday night and then and then it was- by sunday it was like things aren't i'm hearing weird stuff and even yeah. that weekend i remember people being like i don't know should we just high five should we whatever and, and people <laughs> were just a bit nervous so uh yeah, so that was my last. Those were my last shows. And and what did you do? Because I, you know, I keep bringing up to people that originally that middle of that, you know, the first couple of weeks of March, where we knew something was coming. Um, uh, the 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 official word, the official word was that you know the city was going to shut down for a couple of weeks, and we'll clear that virus on out of here, and then we'll get back to normal and more than two years later it's still not normal so you know what were your thoughts um when you get to that two three four week mark and you start to realize this is going to go on longer than anybody said what does what does your immediate future look like how do you how do you pivot in that moment yeah well that's tough i mean i i was writing i stayed writing through the whole time mm-hmm. and uh i just you know working other jobs working odd jobs picking up work and uh doing like writing jobs and things like that and just picking up work and then looking at projects that I had had on the back burner that I just hadn't gotten around to doing like releasing vinyl welcome to Cobra Island I'd always wanted to put on vinyl so I was like okay maybe now's the time I can actually you know I feel like I can focus on doing this online crowdfunder for it and we were able to crowdfund vinyl for that so I did that worked on some more projects um I got I wound up getting uh acting gig and I wound up acting in a transformers cartoon so there was so i you know look i i cannot complain i was able to stay busy and and just keep working and luckily we uh you know we had a, our apartment was good and we were we were all set and it was just my wife and our baby and got a lot of quality dad time in and yeah. it was uh honestly it was we we really made the best of it did you did you go full Michael Keaton? Did you become Mr. Mom? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been like a real silver lining for me, like just being yeah. able to be home so much and and just watch my daughter grow. And now now we've got another one on the way, actually. So, what? yeah. So, you know, we like the first one so much. We're like, let's uh, let's see if we can get some more out of this. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's uh, I really enjoy like yeah really enjoy being a parent it's it's sweet very cool um but yeah the music you know i've been lucky to just keep recording just working on a whole bunch of stuff trying to you know tie up some loose ends i have a few projects that aren't announced yet that yeah i was working on and uh yeah it you know it's just looking at all the the things that have gone on really there's i can't complain about anything well I yeah. mean, beyond music, I've always known you, you know, you've, you've written your own comics uh, and you mentioned the Transformers 
bot bot show that you are what is the name of your character on bot bots uh starscope starscope and starscope yeah. is a uh, a scientist transformer wrapping uh like microscope <laughs> a starscope if you fantastic. will fantastic yeah uh, and that's a so, fun show it's a really fun take on transformers yeah maybe biased it is. but i think it's it's a lot of fun I, I i watched a couple of episodes it's very i as i've taken to saying the last year or so i am not the target market for this show i would rather i i have i'm trying to you've known me a long time you know that uh my default setting is cynical bastard (laughs) so but you've got a really sweet candy center (laughs) they do they do it's mostly we can see past that it's mostly the diabetes collecting the sugar into a ball Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> Bobots is very much aimed for, I would say, a five to ten year old audience. Yeah, which is me. Exactly. So that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I watched yeah. and thought I and my thought was kids are going to love this. It, I'm not the target market. Uh is there more bot bots on the way? Do you have other irons in the fire for voice acting work similar to that? Uh, I haven't heard anything about bot bots yet. Hopefully mm-hmm. they do another season. If yeah. they wanted me back, I would love to do that. I think it's a brilliant show. The writers yeah. are great. I know they're super busy. They're working on Ninjago and a whole bunch of other things. So um, yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm always open to do things like yeah. people. I've got nothing as cool as that lined up right now in terms of voice work. But how did uh, how did the bot bots gig come about? Uh, it's an interesting story. So I was well, touring I with the Cybertronic Spree, who I think you know. Yes, the the, uh, the amazing band, and we played a couple shows in uh, in New York City. And after the show, a guy came up to me after I I was opening for them and a guy came up and started talking to me and he introduced himself. And it turned out that I had done uh, I did a theme song for one of the writers TV shows years ago for a funny or die project called Mystic Cosmic Patrol. And it was this amazing, uh, almost like an adult version of the Power Rangers, but not like, you know, super adult, just more for for grownups and it was hilarious and i did their theme song and even then I'm, I'm not quite sure how they found me i think someone on the show knew my music and they they brought me in and they after the show what this writer came up he's an amazing guy doc and uh we were talking he said you know i'm working on this Transformers show would you consider maybe doing a voice and i was like of course like i would love to And then honestly, didn't think anything of it. Pandemic happens. Time passes. I get an email from a casting director asking me to audition for this thing. And I didn't really know there was any connection. I don't know who. Every now and then I get messages from people to audition for stuff, which is cool. And uh, and I just went in and auditioned. And uh, turns out that 
the writer had had put my name forward and I wound up uh, getting getting the gig. So Very nice. it was really, really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned your comic books, uh, you Snake Horse Pizza, which is, again, your your love of G.I. Joe coming out uh and uh uh last paper route uh is there more of last paper route on the way yes it's been on hiatus so you know all about how hiatuses work i think with comics (laughs) god (laughs) yes i would say the fault lies on my shoulders because dave howlett the artist is just incredible and so prolific and anyone listening go check out dave howlett's work and check out the makers which is his comic book series reimagining kind of the image boom the image creators of the 90s it's such a phenomenal book so dave illustrates the last paper route and i write it with my lifelong best friend and fellow former paper boy alex kennedy and yeah we used to we were paper boys when we were kids and we made our own comics then about our zany adventures and Cal Johnston, who owned strange adventures where we used to hang out the comic shop in Halifax. He encouraged us to make it like an actual mini comic zine. And we photocopied it and sold it for 50 cents. And it was just the best. And Alex and I always said, we got to revisit this series now that we're a bit older, a bit wiser and uh, can somehow convince Dave to draw it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I used to draw it and my I don't have the chops for that. (laughs) Anyway, so we've put out four issues of that, which I'm so proud of. And issue five, we have planned out it's going to wrap up that whole story arc. Uh, And it's just basically been a matter of getting that project. But with music and everything else, uh, I've got my fingers in. I just haven't we just haven't got the script finished. So got to do it. uh, So with the new album. Going back to the new album, uh, I'm wondering, you mentioned getting together with people for, you know, beats and samples and lyrics. Where do, primarily, where do you get your beats and your samples? Who's your, who's your inner circle of, of creative people and, and where is stuff coming from? Uh, great question. I've been working with a lot of the same producers since I started putting stuff out in, in the early 2000s. So like yeah. Beat Mason and Fresh Kills and Timbuktu. These are just amazingly talented friends that I've known for years who make beats. And, you know, year after year, they just keep getting better and better. And yeah. they keep being willing to work with me. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, they produce beats. Um, and then over the years, I've met other beat makers. Uh, there's like DK and Milk Plus diagnostic 80 i mean this album's crazy because it's got a whole bunch of different production uh joe rum bombay who's like a halifax hip-hop legend and we've done tracks before in the past and mm. he, he produced a song uh on the album called wolco tapes uh buck 65 who you you may know yes who, uh is just an incredible artist and i've oh i've been a fan since i was a kid uh he produced a beat which was like a huge deal for me to like work on a song with him that's cool um so that that means a lot. And um, yeah, there's so many, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh yeah. Iron monkey. Who's uh, an artist I met actually just online during the pandemic. And I really liked his work and he had been doing these remixes of uh, MF doom. And I just kind of shot him a message and said, Hey, I really dig your stuff. And then he got back to me and I guess he checked out my stuff and we just got talking. And next thing you know, he's uh, he's playing beats for me. So 
and Peter Project, who I've worked with a bunch of times, who produced uh, Spawn Guy, which is a song that is yes. that directly I, ties back to Silver Snail. So, yeah, I, I listened to Spawn Guy a little earlier and I like Spawn Guy. Spawn Guy, <laughs> you obsessive weirdo, you. I like Spawn Guy. It's great. That is that that is that is uh, that is the mind of somebody just hyper focused in on one nerd love and just spiraling out of control <laughs> well I it's uh it. it's kind of based on experience you know yes yes <laughs> um do you I, we're gonna get off track here because you just reminded me of something and and uh i was talking to our friend george zotti oh talk, yeah talk gee to george, talk to george all the time but we were talking a few weeks ago and um and there's a silver snail story that came up and it's before your time actually this is from the silver snail uh uh, the north store young and eglinton store and uh we just recently had the anniversary of the death of superman issue and uh and there was i don't know if you know this do you know the story of neville I have met, yes, and uh, I met many of the customers over the years. Okay. So, yeah. So, so the quick story of Neville for people at home is uh, the, he was a, a comic book fan who used to frequent the store. And when the, uh, when the Death of Superman issue came out, uh, George had the bright idea, or somebody in the store had the bright idea to create a, lo- a big an oversized uh, memorial card and fans could sign it. And then they sent it to the DC comics offices in New York. And Neville signed the card. I love you. And now you're gone. And then started to weep like in the store as after signing started to cry and it was at most the most at once the most touching and unnerving thing you'd ever seen <laughs> man that- I'm, t- I'm tearing up thinking of that i mean it's, <laughs> you you know working in that world which yeah. i love and i've been a part of my whole life you do meet so many different people and uh and these characters mean so much they mean things to people that you would never understand so i always i always made a point when i was working at the shop to really try not to judge anybody and whether they were buying comics that i thought sucked (laughs) you know i never wanted to be that comic book shop work employee who was like turning up their nose and you know i would read everything and i would see the value in everything and you know we could name stuff all day of like what you oh this is good you know and i would meet people even when i was a kid like and they would like condescend to me when i would buy my comics oh i used to read gi joe yeah when it was good now it sucks (laughs) you know you like spider-man you should be reading sandman like you know it's like whatever you know i'm nine i don't care about sandman right now i want to read spidey (laughs) you know like let me read my spider-man and you know back off so yeah you know and you would you would meet these people and uh you know the spawn guy 
the song, which is on the new album, if I can talk about it since you've heard it. Please do. It was, I was working at the Snail in that time that I'm sure you may remember, but McFarland Toys were huge. Everything, everything was getting a McFarland uh, release. Yeah. Yeah. Like you couldn't fathom it now because just with the, the way the action figure market exploded, but you know, we all know that McFarlane was the first one to really get in there on yeah. the, that, those like collector figures and yeah. working at the snail, Ron, the owner had like the foresight to order in advance and get like the connections so that he could be the first place in like probably Canada to mm. get the new McFarland stuff. And no joke, like we'd have our Wednesday deliveries of comics and new stuff, but we would get McFarland, like McFarland would show up in a different truck, like huge crates. And we would load in these giant boxes of McFarland sports spawn everything. And yeah. then sure enough, like guys would be circling the block Saying when when's the new spawn coming in? And they came in those big bubble carded yeah. thing. Yeah. And no joke, we'd have people lining up buying full sets, like all six. And we'd have to limit them. And then you'd have everybody like looking at the paint job to see, oh, I don't know, my Angela, you know, her panties yeah. are painted weird. I'm gonna let me get a different one. And um, there was a rare variant, <laughs> Angela. <laughs> there was one of them. It's I, and funny, I apologize. It's funny because I absolutely no it's true 100 percent true and <laughs> you know listen the figures looked cool yeah you know i wound up getting a couple spawn figures but i didn't get all of them but i always wondered like who are these people who bought every, every single one of them. spawn yeah. and could you name them all because there were so many and we would get very intense people who would want to share their love of whatever character they liked the most yeah. And just like be up in your face about it, get yeah. in your grill. And they talk to like other customers. You could be there just trying to read the, you know, flip through the latest Legion of Superheroes. And this guy comes up and is like, yo, you like Spawn guy? Yeah. Spawn's sick. Let me tell you why Spawn's good. The guy's like, I just want to read about, you know, Molecule Lad or something. Yeah. But one of, one of your jobs, part of your job working in a comic store is to have those conversations and facilitate those conversations and to uh to let those fans of whatever uh properties know that they're in a happy safe space where where they you know nobody's going to be that's what you know you mentioned you mentioned comic book stores where uh you get some guys who are looking down on your purchases or, you know, for a while we had a couple of years there where uh, there were so many stories about um, female fans going into stores and being, being harassed. There's no, there's no need for it. How is this not the most welcoming of, of genres of fandoms? So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, as much as I, I still get a giggle out of thinking about Neville getting that upset, man, it just shows how much he really, tr how much it, the character really, truly meant to him. So, you know, that's somebody's work striking an emotional chord. Yeah. 
So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is it's so wild to imagine a time before the MCU movie explosion, right? And yeah. like that was a different pocket in time. And when I do talk to to people who are fans who weren't really around in that era or they mm. were just like way younger, it's like wow, like it's uh it's fascinating. But yeah, no, and it should be and the snail, you know, was was just we would always everyone there we would always just be you know we had to be open i mean it was queen west everybody came in from a it was a destination for downtown right yeah. and uh and you met a lot of cool people and i learned a lot including the names of every single spawn action figure ever made <laughs> <laughs> so you see anthony like once you learn all this useless information yeah and it's uh, stuck in your head you gotta use it you so might, that's that's why i put it in well a song monetize yeah. it yeah. monetize your crazy yeah <laughs> well yeah i haven't counted but there are a lot of spawn figures in that in that song so uh, yeah. is there a tour forthcoming are you i know you said you've got a second uh burglet burglesito yeah we're yeah, having a junior berg another, another junior berg coming but junior berg um, are, you, are you ready to abandon the family and go back out on the road <laughs> i don't think i'm going to be doing any touring just yet no so i think for now i'm just going to stay home probably do some local toronto shows might do some halifax shows we'll just see how it goes but uh, mm -hmm. it does feel weird releasing a new album without like a big tour or big release party but we're yeah. still kind of in that strange space yeah you know i mean anthony look safe? i get mobbed <laughs> if i go out to do a show i don't want to get mobbed by all these oh i know <laughs> i know you yeah, listen i'm joking for the listeners i'm joking. no he's not he's not <laughs> This man steps you know, out. This man steps out on stage, and the divorce rate goes up in that. <laughs> Come on, think, I think it's just think even like comic cons. I've been avoiding because it's you, just I that many people right now. I'm just not sure if I'm ready. No, are you no no comic cons right now? I haven't done any yet. No, no. See, I was going to ask you if uh, you know, am I going to see you in person at Fan Expo in a few months? Yeah, I, mm. you know, just right now with the young kids, we're just, I'm just staying close to home, I think, okay. right now. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing people. I miss people. I will probably do some smaller little shows that may not be that well advertised. But, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're talking about uh, the people that you collaborate with and the people that influenced you. And I, 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 I've seen a couple of things recently because uh, people who've listened to this podcast um, in the long term uh, know that one of the most notorious episodes of the show was my interview with MC Chris, okay. rapper MC Chris. And I recently decided to do a little, you know, where are they now uh, Googling. And uh, that's not a story that's gone necessarily very well. And it makes me, it makes me think about uh, nerdcore hip hop in general. And how in uh, in 2000, 
2000 is the earliest that people trace the use of that tag, that genre, that name, nerdcore hip hop, back to MC Frontalot. And I and 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 it just kind of. It's not that it was the rise and fall of nerdcore hip hop. It was the rise and fade of uh, nerdcore hip hop as like a cohesive genre. And I, th I think you would agree that your stuff falls uh, quite easily under the umbrella of nerdcore. And I wonder what you think about having seen that rise and fade and where you think the genre is or the artists of that genre are today. Mm -hmm. There's the most intelligent question you'll be asked all day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Nerdcore for me, I always think it was like kind of a happy accident. I yeah. was already doing all this stuff. I didn't even know Nerdcore was going on. Yeah. I've since become great friends with many of those MC Frontalot, the best. I think he he's such an innovator. I think he's so talented. I think his style, his rap style is fully original. It's such a like unique, unpredictable, like his cadence and the way he puts brings the words together and everything. And we've worked together, we've done shows together. Like I've I've got a lot of respect for MC Frontalot. I know him well. I've never met MC Chris. Um but front a lot to me is like, look, I just think he's a good, he's a great rapper. Yeah. And I always say, look, I'm a rapper first, whatever you want to classify me as, or put me in a subgenre. Great. Of course my stuff goes in nerdcore Cause I'm a nerdy guy. I'm just, a, I'm nerdy by nature. Right. <laughs> so, but my, where I was coming at making my music from like, hip-hop and rap like this is what i grew up with and i'm just yeah. being true to myself and i'm gonna rap about stuff i love comics baseball whatever i think with a lot of nerdcore people and mc frontalot's the same way mc frontalot grew up in like new york rap stuff like he's like front and like a lot of these guys and like mega ran who's huge you know another good friend of mine he's like an incredible artist and mm -hmm. he's on the new record you know shameless plug but uh and rand's just been incredible and Rand comes at it too, like same thing. He was making hip hop and then he leaned into the video games and, and found like a great, a great uh, audience in that area. I, I mean, I don't, because I have toured and played a lot of shows in the nerdcore community and like am grouped with nerdcore and that's fantastic. I've always been cool with it, but I've also like not really been super heavy involved in it. So yeah. if that makes sense so i don't know like i don't even know what's like when you're saying like the rise and fade of it yeah i think maybe it felt like a really when there it got all this attention um in that first little burst uh around front a lot and i think there was a, a movie they made and uh i mean i think what happened was like front a lot's stronger than ever still putting out stuff there's a lot mm -hmm. of great artists same with mega ran you know that word burglar guy is still around and uh i i don't know i think a lot of people flocked to it and thought hey i'm nerdy i'm just gonna like try and rap on a beat and like yeah they couldn't rap they couldn't write rhymes they had no rhythm they had no flow the beat sucked 
they just didn't work on their craft. You, you know, you can be like, Hey, I'm a nerdy baseball player. Great. Well, can you play baseball? Uh, no, but I'm holding a baseball bat and I got glasses and I'm, you know, I, I love computers and I'm doing, yeah. I don't know. That's a weird analogy, no, no. Uh, but like, I'm just kind of like, you got to work like on your, but, and the, the greater thing of nerdcore too, was it wasn't just hip hop. There were, like any genre and to this day like i think like chip tunes fell into that and all these different things so it's still i think going strong yeah i never really like to like i try not to put stuff in a genre you know like if you had to ask me what my favorite music is and i had to classify it i would probably say okay underground hip-hop that is like i love underground hip-hop i love whatever mm -hmm. you might think underground hip-hop is is probably you know that's the, the stuff I love and I've always loved. And uh, so I think some people who just came at Nerdcore who only listened to Nerdcore and then tried to make Nerdcore, maybe there were people who just didn't have, practice their craft and yeah. it produced a lot of really garbage stuff that maybe gave the genre a really bad name. Mm. But the people who had true talent kept going and, you know, I think that's the proof that, you know, Frontalot is is still kicking it because he's like a very talented guy yeah oh yeah i mean yeah. top talent will will persist yeah so all right yeah, sorry that was a really long winded no no it was a long question it deserved a long answer i did it's... not i did not expect an easy answer for the question so yeah oh, i'm probably good. not the biggest expert on it but i do get well, I as I much as I get, you know, lumped into that. Well, I ain't scene. fucking interviewing MC Chris again. <laughs> well, yeah, I I don't I don't know. Him, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's this that particular shade will come back to haunt me somehow. Anyways, <laughs> he was good enough to accept the interview, but then he got. I asked him about nerdcore, and he got surly right away. Because he he went back and forth in those early in the early and mid two thousands late two thousands uh, he he went back and forth between you know planting his flag in 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 nerdcore and wanting nothing to do with nerdcore it was very 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 back and forth anyways I've always loved there. being in, I've felt honored to be included in nerdcore yeah. and I've almost felt like you know I don't really know the scene as well as yeah. maybe I should but I'm just kind of doing my thing and I'm a solo guy anyway so I'm just kind of <laughs> following right. my own thing I have three questions three quick questions for you it's uh it this is going to be today's version of uh of the uh of, of name dropping and word association I'm going to ask you, we've, we've pinpointed your three main areas of creation, uh, uh, of, of love, uh, G.I. Joe, uh, comic books, and hip-hop, okay? Okay. So, two-part question, who was the best G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe or Cobra? G.I. Joe, second part is Cobra. Who's the best? Who's the best of each? Best GI Joe, best Cobra. Look, if I gotta pick one, I got I gotta go Flint. Flint. I always liked Flint. Flint. I always liked Flint. Justify this response, sir. <sighs> <laughs> you know, I I think it's probably because I 
watched the G.I. Joe cartoons before I read the comic. I yeah. love Snake Eyes too, obviously. Snake yeah. Eyes is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and in the comics, it, it's Snake Eyes. But in the cartoon, like episode after episode, Flint is entertaining. He's got a sense of humor. He's a good leader. He's not at the top. Like, you know, there's people above him. So mm-hmm. he's not like quite the big boss guy, but he takes charge. You know, him and Lady J have a great relation, working relationship. <laughs> oh my and God. Uh, okay. Flint had a great sense of humor, like I said, and he was just he's great on those cartoons. Like I always loved Flint on the cartoon. And, uh, you know, there's other characters like Ricondo. I always like the Ricondo figure and everything. But, uh, yeah, I kind of keep coming back, especially now that I get older. It's like, yeah, those, you know. Because Shipwreck's hilarious, but he's, he can be kind of a goofball and a slacker. I like that Flint has discipline, but also he's like, he's got some great sarcastic quips in that show. And, okay. um, and he's a respectable guy. He's a hardworking guy. Like, yeah, Flint. There you go. Okay. And Cobra? Wow, that's so hard. Probably Destro. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So Destro. If I have to pick one. But there are so many good ones. I love Zartan as well. And of course, Cobra Commander is amazing. But if yeah, you have Dest- to pick one. Destro across everything. Yeah. Arguably, he still is the best live action uh, character in the G.I. Joe movies. I think Destro, they did a good job with him. Christopher Eccleston. And uh, yeah. although Firefly was pretty good, too. But. How many... This is just a side thought as I'm, we're, you know, we're looking around in your background here. How many feet are you away from a GI Joe figure? <laughs> not like, not would far. you have to get out of that chair to put your hands on a GI Joe figure? You know what? Not normally, but I think right now, <laughs> right now, I, clean probably, up or something? I probably would. I do have the nth man figure that was made for the assembly required convention. And I wrote, they asked me to write the file card for that. So okay. that was pretty cool. That's a Larry Hama GI Joe adjacent thing, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have a lot of Joe's. I had Flint here the other day, but I don't know where he is. Yeah, <laughs> I know this is you're you're looking, this is the word lair that you are. Oh, that's nice. Into. That is good. So, play, sir. I am, uh, yeah, this is, you know, like Batman's got the Batcave. This is where I keep all my trophies, pens and microphones and stuff. Is got that, Mike, uh, Mike and headphones and mixer. Is yeah. that a copy of Welcome to Cobra Island behind you? That is. That is my own album uh, because, you know, that's I always say, you know, I, uh, I make my own records so I get free copies. That's okay. Hey, listen, I mean... <laughs> Above my head, I'm I'm hanging some pages from my stuff, and over right here is a CGC copy of uh, Heroes of Homeroom C. So, I mean, you CGC'd it. That's amazing. Oh yeah, I CGC one copy of all my shit. <laughs> wow. There's a there's a CGC somewhere in the in the apartment. There's a CGC copy of the 22 page ash can of this where the characters are still white <laughs> before we went before we went to uh to to actually self-publish the book 
the first thing I did was have Carlos because I'd been shopping it to publishers. And the first thing I did when uh, Carlos Granda and I settled on, okay, we're going to make this the next project. We're going to do the 72 page version of this, yada, yada, yada. I said, okay, first things first, redraw the faces on those kids. They're black now because I had, and I talk about this in one of the editorials in the book. I had made the characters white because I thought it would be easier to shop at the publishers. And as soon as I decided that I was going to self-publish it, my very next thought was, well, I don't have to compromise. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about, it was like Spawn when they said, when Spawn goes to hell and no nope. devil makes him a white nope. guy. <laughs> it was purely, it was purely a compromise on my part for what I thought would get the book sold. Wow. That, and yeah. when I decided to self-publish, I was free of those chains. That's amazing. And I had Carlos redraw the characters. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's a great yeah. book. And you know, thank you. Props to you, man, for sure. Uh yeah. and the art, props to Carlos, of course. Oh god, that kid is so good. Uh speaking of comic book artists, who is the one comic book artist you most want to work with? Don't give me a list. Don't give me a list. Give me one name. Ah, I know that part hurts you. <laughs> living or dead because we lost Live, a lot of living, great ones. Living. Because, I mean, I sure, I'd love to give Jack Kirby a script. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I was the biggest George Perez fan, and, oh, you know, that still hurts. And yeah. uh, I George Perez would have been the first number one answer. Okay. Um, I'll let you get away with and, that, but you have to give me one name. I mean, I love Steve Dillon, too. And he's, you know, that was like a big one because Steve Dillon's. Stop, oh, man. now I'm just naming. Yeah. One living, one living artist. You know who I always liked and I don't know what happened to them. Hmm. Mark Bright, M.D. Bright, who did a Mark run on G.I. Joe and his run on G.I. Joe was awesome. It was so a- good. And he was later on in the run where I think a lot of people had kind of stopped reading. And uh, MD Bright, who was later Mark Bright, I think he went to Acclaim Comics at one point. Like he did Quantum and Woody. I have no idea what he does now, but I'm just thinking of like the comics I loved as a kid. Uh, I would love to do like a G.I. Joe comic with MD Bright. That's- that is... A very unexpected but cool name. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know if he still illustrates. Uh, I never see him at conventions or anything. His uh, his Wikipedia is not in chronographic order. So uh, the last thing that I can, and I'm not wearing my glasses. uh, (laughs) The last thing that I can see here is uh, uh, five-issue Quantum and Woody miniseries published by valiant in 2014 2015 yeah i've got that like i feel uh, like that's the last thing i've seen him do but uh yeah i don't know if there's anything after that so because sure with all know. the gi joe like now there's been a great resurgence of like the gi joe artists and ron yeah. wagner's been doing some cool stuff and you, you see people popping up and uh i'm just surprised that i don't see more people talking about md bright because that run yeah, it's amazing. If you're out there and you can connect 
Word Burglar with Mark Wright, please do so. Yeah. Well, I just uh, like to even say, hey, awesome stuff. I yeah. loved your, uh, I love okay. your work. Last question. Similar vein. You can have one rapper spit bars on one of your songs. Pick one living rapper. Don't don't fake me out by saying like the Beastie Boys counts as one. Well, I got to one work person. with <laughs> I got to work with Cool Keith, which was okay. would have been he would have been my number one. So I got Cool Keith. Obviously, nice. MF Doom would have been up there, but again, yeah. rest in peace. Uh, Master Ace, it'd be Master Ace. Yeah, love, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Master Ace was a huge, huge influence on me. Uh, growing up, like his rhyme writing style and just his his concepts and his every everything. One of the best rappers of all time. Highly, highly slept on. All right. So, Word Burglar, give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch here. Tell us about the new album one more time. Tell us when it's available and where. And then we'll uh, we'll send people out to 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 pick up copies. Well, um, I'm going to be dropping it next week, the last day in June. Just go to wordburglar.com. I'm not sure when this is dropping. So uh, this is dropping Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the 28th. So you've got two days. Well, Thursday the 30th of June. Well, it'll right. probably be available by then. I might yeah. just do a, a secret silent drop. I've been kind of just like feeling this out. I'm like, all right, let's see. Do people really want it? Or uh, what you're saying is you're getting anxious and you just want to pull the trigger. Oh, I want to pull the trigger. I've been sitting <laughs> on this. We are. Oh, it's going to feel. And like, I'm so excited. Kalman Andrushovsky did the artwork. You just oh, nailed man. it. It's going to melt people's brains. The album is so good, you know, and uh, look, if you're looking for Mav Rhymes, I might know a few. It's tough to put in words. So I do. <laughs> and where yeah, Bergonomic, check it out. It'll be on Bandcamp for the first month for yep. all of July, and then it'll, it'll be on every other platform in August. So I like to drop stuff on first on Bandcamp. And we'll do pre-orders for CDs and uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah. And uh, right now, the first single is available, so you can go check out Wolco Tapes, which are is a song about the tapes that I first uh, used to dub all my albums on and mix oh. tapes when I was a kid. And I used to get them at Wolco at Scotia Square in Halifax, and uh, they had a great selection of GI Joes and like movie posters and stuff and you know wolko you remember wolko don't yes, you yes of course yeah uh, and and ode to cheap three packs of cassette tapes <laughs> is exactly what we need right now exactly okay uh word burglar for the love hey, listen celebrate your canada day slash independence day weekend by uh waking up early on thursday june 30th and uh buying buying your copy of this album on Bandcamp. This is this is a good thing. This is a good plan. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we're going to make it uh, very reasonable and very accessible. Very good. Tell them where yeah. they can find you on the uh, social medias. Yeah, Word Burglar everywhere. I think I'm the only Word Burglar in the phone book. So um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter. I don't even think the phone book exists anymore. Uh, you yeah. can order one. You can order one. <laughs> Sweet. I, I trust you, you to know you that. You actually have to special <laughs> order one. 
<laughs> you are the guy who would know that. Yeah, love that. Strangely enough. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm at, I, I'm I'm on Instagram, Twitter, everything. If you just type in Word Burglar, you'll find me. Very and, good. Uh, I'll be following Anthony. So if you guys you can find me. <laughs> thanks for having me. And hey. uh, thanks to everybody tuning into this. Glad uh, we were finally able to make this happen. We've been talking about it's, this for a while. So. Yeah, it's been forever. I know we used to bump into I feel like the last time I saw you, we bumped into each other on the subway or something. I bump into a lot of people on the subway. It's, yeah. uh, it's mostly because I'm fat and clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> or like agile and uh you know a magnetic yeah. attraction yeah oh, that's that's me if you're ever if you're ever at young and bloor and you see uh you see a guy cartwheeling down the platform <laughs> it's not the ghost of bam bam bigelow it's me deep cut <laughs> Bam, bam, bam. Word Burglar, thank you for joining us on a yet another episode of the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. My pleasure. Thank you. Peace. Peace.